You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 60 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and this is the show for August 2018. Joining me today, I have a wonderful panel, as always, um, in no particular order. Joining me from a very, very long way away, somewhere in the United States, we have Adam Christensen from the MacCast. Hi, Adam. Hey, that would be near San Diego, but yeah, Ooh, I'm here. San Diego, that's a nice part of America, if memory serves. Uh, we like it down here. Yeah, better weather than we have usually, anyway, that's for sure. Um, from somewhere the exact opposite side of me, we are also joined by Mark Chappell from, I think you're somewhere in the UK, Mark, right? Yes, I'm over in Wales, basically. You see England, go past that, keep going west, hit the sea, turn right for about a mile, and there I am. Yeah, so you're almost in Ireland, I mean, <laughs> what you're describing well, yeah, pretty there. Pretty much, pretty much. On, on a good day, you can probably uh, see the Emerald Isles just off the coast. Mm. If I may be so bold, you don't have a, this, a typically, stereotypically Welsh accent. No, uh, that's because I'm originally from th- over the bridge. I can't say the E word English, otherwise they lose. <laughs> yeah. That is forbidden. Okay. Uh, and then we jump right across the Atlantic again for our last guest, Alison Sheridan from the Nocilicast joins me. Hi, Alison. Hi, Bart. Fun to be on the other end of the microphone this time. I was going to say, it's nice to have you on my show. It's it's, uh, it's, it's a fun turnaround. Um, it was trading the microphone ends that was hard, right? Yeah, we're still across a pond. Actually, we're across many ponds between the, the Irish Sea and the Atlantic Ocean. Um, but yes, we're, and we are chit-chatting, so hmm, what show are we on? Anyway, um, it is the silly season, I think news people call this time of year, and it sort of showed when I was analysing my RSS feeds to put the show notes together. Um, so this show is going to have a slightly unusual structure because I actually couldn't find three main stories. So our first main story is called a medley of medium stories. Um, so really, we're just going to go through lots of small stuff which is kind of different to usual, but that's sort of how the news has worked out this uh, this month. So we're in a waiting pattern. Yeah, we are. Just well, yeah, because right up front. yeah, let's actually get that out of the way. Mark, save the date, right? If you don't already have it in your calendar, and Apple actually literally have a button to get a, a calendar thingy for your calendar. Uh, there is a gather round Apple event, which is being held on the twelfth of September. So exactly a week from when we are recording this. And Apple are live streaming. And Alison, you are opening up your community so we can all go in there and chat about the cool stuff. Yes, if you want to hang out with the Nocilicastways, it'll be at podfeet.com slash chat, which yes. is in Discord. Yes, and I will I will be there. Well, if all goes to plan, I will be there. Um, I, I have some flexi time saved away for it. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to get off work early and uh, sit in and uh, watch. It's always fun to, to chat with fellow Mac enthusiasts while we watch the goodies come in. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing where anybody's on video or audio or talking over the whole thing. It's just a chance to kibitz and decide whether you think everything's horrible or wonderful. Yeah, you know, you get to sort of share your, oh, I really wanted a blah, 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 or, oh, yay, that's exactly what I was hoping for, or, who? Yeah, it runs the gamut. Anyway, um, a few follow-up stories from stuff that has made the news previously. So many, many moons ago, um, I think it may even have been before this podcast started, 
A long, ongoing story was Apple's failed attempt to get a sapphire factory off the ground in Mesa, Arizona. Um, They were partnering with a company called GT Advanced Technologies. And in order to get the bid, GT Advanced bid quite low. And it turns out you actually can't make sapphires cheap. And they went bust. And that left this massive big factory in Mesa with a lot of people unemployed. And Apple at the time had said they were going to do their best to make it right. Well, it took a while. What they have followed through, that factory is now an Apple data center. And it is up and running. And in fact, there's a link in the show notes to a Tidbits article, which links to a local paper, which actually has photographs from inside the facility. It's... It's a lot of servers in a row. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. It's a data center. And it's white and very, very clean, um, which is we just like We can all fall asleep centers. now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's nice to have to have that story finally wrapped up and to have it come to a happy ending for, for Mesa yeah. because the local government there went to a lot of effort to try get those jobs and then it all went belly up very, very quickly. So it's nice to see that wrapped up. It would be interesting to know what kind of uh, tax breaks they got for that. Uh, I know our company bought, moved from California, one of our plants from California to Arizona, and we were charged, I think the uh, property tax was a dollar a year. Whoa! It's amazing what you can do when you don't have to pay taxes on stuff. You get all kinds of freedoms, things to do with money. So that was many years ago, 25 years ago. But uh, it'd be interesting to know if they did anything for them there. Well, my memory of the original story was that Mesa had done a lot. The local, the local government in Mesa, the, the city council or whatever, had done a lot to incentivize GT Advanced Technologies. And I think they did a lot to encourage Apple to not let that factory just fall to dust. So, so yeah, I, I imagine yeah. tax was part of that. Unfortunately, the the reality is data centers generally don't um, generate a long term bunch of recurring jobs. So I think yeah, you know, I think Apple ultimately is probably on the better end of that deal, and they usually they usually are. But I think even with the glass factory there, it wasn't. I mean, there's a lot of construction jobs. There's a lot of things that go on temporarily while things are being built. But I mean, once a data center is up and running. Let's be honest, it doesn't take a ton of people if point, you built right? it right to, to, to like yeah. run the thing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's true. People to dust the machines, maybe? Well, and there's, you know, there's maintenance stuff. And there, I mean, there's the a Security people home. and maintenance people yeah. that come in. Yeah, and there's a small staff, but it's probably not the boon to the economy that, that Mesa was hoping for when it was the original deal. Well, they're going to use a lot of lecky, so if there's a local power company paying taxes, the, 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 that may actually bring in a fair bit for the city council that way. Yeah. You know, there's, it's, it may not come in in the ways you expect. Anyway, so it's still nice that that, that factory is, is going to some use. Um, it, the, the big advantage is marketing, right? Apple's in our city, so you can entice other people to other tech companies to come into the city. Yeah, too. whereas Ireland managed to do the opposite, and we managed to drive Apple out to the point where they're never coming back anywhere near us because our planning system is so messed up that when they try to open a data center in Athen Rye, one guy who doesn't live anywhere near Athen Rye has no interest in Athen Rye, has nothing to do with Athen Rye, managed to drag it out in the courts for so long that Apple went, stuff your data center up here, you know what, and they sawed it off. Yep. I always wondered why you had no official Apple stores in Ireland. Well, <laughs> I don't think that's the reason. Um, because Apple do have a big HQ in Cork where they do... They used to actually make iMacs, I think it was, then in Cork. But now it's, it's just office jobs. But it really soured them on Ireland that when they tried to build a data center in a 
in a place that badly needed and the locals were heavily in favour. Like the, the local people had signs up saying, Apple, please come, don't let them drive you away. But our planning laws are so messed up. And now, now that the horse is bolted, there's lots of talk about reform of the planning system. But it's like, you've just driven out the largest company in the world. But Apple is still in Ireland with uh, doing all their banking there, though. So at least Apple are going, well, we did try and put something your way, but pff, just have to keep that money there and keep the VAT rate down. Oh, well, I know our VAT rate is huge. Is our corporate tax is low. Um, oh, that's, yeah, that's our VAT rate is 23%. It's not why Apple are here. Apple are here because our corporate tax rate is 12 Um Speaking of which, um, Apple have already paid two-thirds of the 13 billion euro the EU decided they owed Ireland and that Ireland doesn't want. Um, that came about in a regulatory filing and it doesn't seem to have hurt their earnings call at all, which they gave us at the previous show. You know, you're making a lot of money when you pay that much and it's like round-off error? Is that what you're saying? Well, basically, yeah, because they had a record quarter and they paid off two-thirds of this massive fine. Like, so is that going into some sort of holding pot now? Did it's I an escrow, it yeah. It's gone into escrow okay. because basically the Irish government insists Apple don't owe them any taxes and the European Competition Authority have decided that Ireland should have written their laws in such a way that Apple would have owed taxes <laughs> and have made up the number Ireland should have imposed. And the Irish government are like, uh, no, it's part of the European treaties that we get to set our own tax policy. There is no tax harmonisation across Europe. It's one of the regions we compete. So Ireland are appealing strongly against this loss of sovereignty. And Apple are obviously appealing against this loss of money. Um, uh, I mean, it would be very damaging for Ireland if this, if this ruling stands. So the whole thing is up being appealed and the money is all sitting in escrow. Right. Just in okay. case the appeal, they win the appeal, then it all goes back, right? Yeah, exactly. Is this then. a zero interest savings account then? <laughs> I wonder who's getting the interest on the, on the 13 billion. It would be nice if that was the Irish taxpayer, you know, get something out of it. Yeah, I'm really surprised if I was early, but like, oh, well, my bad. Okay. Well, no, because it's you're basically killing the goose that laid the golden egg. True. Because what you're doing there is you're saying that Ireland's officially under the EU treaties, we have the right to set our own corporate tax rate, but the competition authority are now saying we don't. And if we concede that as a nation, oh, right. right, it's a lot bigger implications. Way bigger. So short-term gain, long-term, yeep. So that, that's yeah. why it's being opposed by the government. Because you're right, at first glance, it's like, hang on a second, your government is objecting to being handed 13 billion euro? It's like, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird, but it, it, is, it is. They didn't want it to begin with. I mean, yeah. they had a policy in place that said we didn't want it to yeah. begin with. So. And for it to come out of the competition commissioner instead of out of a new treaty negotiation, because the French and the Germans want tax harmonisation, but they're never going to get it in a treaty because places like Ireland and Luxembourg, the Netherlands, are never going to support that. And so now they're trying to get it through the back door by saying, ah, it's anti-competitive behaviour. So they're basically using competition law to impose tax law, which is why the whole thing's in court and will be for years to come. Yeah, it's complicated because it's Europe and we do complicated very well. So under relationship status, it says it's complicated. Oh, yeah. Don't don't <laughs> discount the United States ability to do, to, to do complicated politics. Ah, you guys are amateurs. Amateurs compared to Brussels. <laughs> Whatever Washington gets up to, it's amateur era compared to Brussels. Anyway, um, one last bit of follow up. Uh, anyone who is looking forward to a group FaceTime call so we would finally be able to replace Skype with an Apple product, uh, n- not so much. Um, 
group FaceTime has slipped and is coming, quote unquote, later this fall. Um, Sad face. I want to yeah. I want to understand. I really want to understand if if someone has left that Apple group or something, if somebody can email me you know, can be <laughs> totally conf- confidential. I want to understand the engineering dilemma behind this. Because we have Skype and we have Discord and we have a million things that do multi-person video chat. And we had it with Apple products back when it was iChat. Yeah. Um, it went away. And why is it taking so long? Like, what is the problem? But they <laughs> I, demoed I really it, right? Like 32? Know the technical issue behind this. Like, why is it delayed? Why? Why? I get that it's not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy or implying that it's easy, but... Well, Adam, there it is another is a lot easier th- now than it was when Apple was doing iChat multi. I have heard video. a theory, which is unsubstantiated, right? Because I definitely do not have confidential sources. Uh, but I have heard a theory in the blogosphere that the issue is patent litigation. Right. That There's... was part of it. That's definitely part of it because Apple got found in violation of some patent for technology they were using and they couldn't do it. So I have a feeling it's more related to not so much patent because that patent thing, what it was all about was the privacy security side of group video. Oh. Um, So Apple was not having it go. It was a technology where everything was peered. So it was peer to peer and it wasn't going through central servers. And I think that's important to Apple. So I have a feeling maybe that's what's going on with group FaceTime is they're still trying to do it in a way where they're, you're not going, your video calls, not going through centralized servers that it's more, they negotiate things and then it's set up point to point to maintain security. But again, I don't know. That's my total speculation based on what happened, but yeah, they got, they were using a technology that apparently somebody had a patent for and they got sued and they lost that lawsuit. So that's why I know that's definitely why it all went away. I'm more curious well, I see. what's the delay in I getting want it. it back. Yeah, oh, exactly. We we want it. We don't care. Apple, you make things better. Make it better. Would yeah, but they're on their nice? security. They're on their privacy kick, right? So they kind of want to be able to be out of the equation and not have video yeah. conversations and data going through their servers, which is good on a bunch of levels, especially if you've got people maybe videoing things to each other that maybe they shouldn't be videoing. Like children. Uh, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> or the inverse of children. No, I mean, I mean, like my grandson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was a misunderstanding. No, 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 no. I meant, I meant bad. I was more referring to bad people, bad actors. Okay. Just out of interest, would anyone use FaceTime group audio to do their podcasts with, or would you all stick to your solutions that you've got in place I now? I try. It. It's been tried. Yeah, and doesn't work well. Oh. Well, I I did one show uh, using FaceTime audio because it was the only thing the other person turned out they had. I couldn't get them to try anything else. And I said, OK, well, right. we can make this work. I was just thinking on long lines of the because um, just looking on here, it says that FaceTime audio uses about three megabytes of data, which may account for why it sounds so darn good. But it'd be things right. like I would miss things like sharing, uh, yeah, being able to chat to each other, sharing documents. Uh, let me just turn my microphone up a little bit. Is that better, Bart? Hopefully so. It's, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not horrific, and I think Level 8 will fix it in post, but it, it just would be nice to, you know. Anyway, ah, do continue. I'm actually, um, I'm borderline clipping now. So. Okay, well then don't go any higher. Um, so yeah, so what was, yeah, just coming back to my FaceTime point, it's like, would anyone use it if, 
like on a regular basis or is sort of Skype slash wire slash Discord just entrenched now for the other features you could use? I think those are more entrenched because they're cross-platform. I mean, that's that's the dilemma with using FaceTime audio. I mean, it's great if you're all Apple podcasters and everybody's on Apple gear, but if you need people that don't have that technology then you know which is a whole another which is a whole another conversation i'd like to have too because steve Jobs said way back when and i think it's the same reason it was the patent stuff um that prevented the whole thing from going open source as well so well i believe the oh. first the engineers heard of it being open source was when steve Jobs said it on stage and they were all like right. this technology actually isn't ready for open sourcing and then it never happened I don't think he actually said open source. I thought he said cross-platform. Open, open, open. It was supposed to be an open platform. They were going to open the platform open. and let others use the technology. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, open source is probably not the right Yeah, the right I, I see your that. point. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they have done it with other things like mini display port and stuff. So, they, 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 And at that time, they had followed through a few times. Right. But they never did follow open, through that time. Open in the same way that, you know, Mac OS X is open and Safari is open, right? Like you can write plugins to it and things. Well, well no. I mean, there's open parts of those things, and then there's the thing that Apple actually produces commercially. So it's more like the underlying technologies are open. Yes, yeah, like Darwin. Darwin is open source. Mac OS X is a shiny layer on top of Darwin. The, the shiny layer is not open source. WebKit uh, is open source, and Safari so is not open source. I don't remember if it still is. I think it still is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's KHTML, so they can't reclose that. Okay, um, so there, there are follow-ups. Again, I'm, normally I'd be, I'd be panicking that you know we're not going to have time for our main stories, but there are none, so, so we can keep going. Anyway, uh, two notable numbers crossed my radar this month. Um, the first is some numbers from CounterPoint, um, who are watching the nascent smartwatch market. Um, and this their research is a bit of a Rorschach test, actually, because some people are reporting it as Apple market share falls. Um, other people are reporting it as the watch market is growing, and other people are reporting it as good news for Apple. And depending on which number you cherry pick, they're all factually correct. So what's actually happening is that this is a very new market. So the whole market, the entire smartwatch market, grew by 37% in terms of numbers year over year. Within that, Apple grew the number of units shipped by 17% year on year. So Apple sold 17% more watches than they were selling a year ago, which is a nice improvement. But if the whole market is growing by 37% and Apple are growing by 17%, then actually their market share must have come down. And indeed it has, from 48% to 41%. Now that's still... That's not bad news for Apple. That's good news for Apple and nice to see this very small market growing, um, is my opinion on it. And the only other number then of note was that they didn't just say which companies were selling the most watches. They also actually broke it down by actual watch. And the Apple Watch Series 1 accounts for 9 out of 10 Apple Watch sales, which surprised me because I I would have put my money up being the 2. So that's... I think that's bad news for Apple. Yeah. Because that says people are price conscious. So if someone else comes out with a reasonably good watch that's a lower price, they could uh, continue to lose market share. I think there's that. I think there's also the the positive potentially in there is that it is an older version and there may be a a percentage of people that are buying in at that level because they want to try it out. 
Mm. And if Apple can win win them over as consumers, maybe when like a Series Four comes out, they go, "Oh yeah, I really like my Apple Watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy another one." So, you know, there's kind of two sides to that coin, and I think there's a little bit of both probably going on in that. You know, I but I would totally agree with you, Allison. You know, it being the lower price point means Apple's making less money from those sales. I have noticed I've uh, had a couple of friends who've said, uh, hey, I have a chance to get a used Apple Watch. I kind of want to try this first and see if I really love it before I spend that much money. And as soon as they got it, they're like, yep, when the next one comes out, I'm getting it. Right. So I think I think that's where I saw that number, like nine out of 10 being I think that's a lot of people that are. And again, I think that's backed up by the growth, the, the large growth of the overall smartwatch market that I think there's a lot of people that are interested now in smartwatches. And the Series one provides it's almost like that Mac mini. Hey, let me try this out entry point for a lot of people. And it's also a nice watch. Like, I mean, that entry point oh, one yeah. <laughs> is, is is still a nice watch. The only reason it, I wouldn't consider it is because it's not waterproof, and I live in Ireland. Right. <laughs> if I lived where Alison lives, about swimming. <laughs> oh, I don't care about swimming. I just mean walking. You know, <laughs> I get rained on regularly. Remember rain, Adam? Mm-hmm. We used to have rain. Actually, we had a bit of a drought this summer. It was very unusual for us. We saw this brown stuff appearing where the green stuff used to be. It confused us immensely. But then it started raining again and it's all it's all back to normal now. Okay, anyone else have any, any thoughts on, on the watch? Obviously, well, I'm certainly curious to see what happens in next week and if the leaked pictures are correct. Because there are leaked pictures. And if they're correct, uh-huh. I think it's very, very pretty. Steve and I both stayed with the Series 2 and didn't go to the Series 3, so we're definitely in the market to spend as much money as possible this this uh, week. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, um, the other uh, bit of numbers that caught my eye is from Gene Munster, who does these sort of surveys um, where he basically interviews people to figure out their opinions on ver- or their uh, plans on various things uh, when it comes to buying stuff, not not just random stuff. Um, and what his numbers are suggesting is that there's some sort of pent-up demand in this iPhone cycle. So um, at the moment, 48% of people who currently own an iPhone intend to upgrade it this time around, compared to 12% this time last year. So I think there was a lot of people who saw the iPhone 10 and went, well, that's really pretty, but that's a big price point. What's the best that technology comes way down in price next year? So. Adam corrected you on what you said. Uh, you're shown at say 25 percent last year. And I, what did I say out loud? Twelve. You said twelve, which okay. is the number of Android uh, switchers. Well, that's great because my brain heard me say 25. So thank you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't understand this one at all. 48 percent of current iPhoneers, oh, iPhone owners, intend to upgrade this cycle. That makes yep. no sense to me. Oh, it makes Why? a lot of sense to me. Why? Because uh, you have you have two major markets from last year upgrading that weren't really served by the release of the iPhone 10. You have the folks who were on the plus size version, say a 7 Plus, who really wanted a new top end large phone, and that's expected to happen this year. And then you also have um, the people who. Um, what was the other group? There's two groups. <laughs> I just blew out of my <laughs> mind the second one. So, so that, so that's definitely one. Well, Adam, um, there is. We're the third year of a phone that looks indistinguishable. I mean, they called it an eight, but it's really a seven SS, right? 
Oh, sorry. Yeah. And the, the other group was all the people who were holding off on the 10 because they were unsure about the new technologies like Face ID and no home button. And so I think there was a lot of wait and seers are like, OK, I'm you know, I really like Touch ID. I really like what I have now. This is all new and unproven stuff. And I want to see if it's really, truly good or is Apple, you know, putting out their distortion field. And I think <laughs> the iPhone 10 is overall for most people proven itself. And so, so I think I, there's a lot I of people see, that are like all I see that argument. Adam, that makes perfect sense to me. The first argument has got to be a small number of people because oh, you're talking no. about people. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Let me make my argument. <laughs> yeah. You're talking yeah. about a giant number of people willing to pay more than $1,000 for a phone. I don't think that market is, is I don't think that's half of, of iPhone users. I don't think it's 25% of iPhone users. Well, and then and then the other thing that's a rumor this year that I think is also factoring in is the hey we're going to have a new low lower cost version that's going to have all of the top level features that, that the top phones have. It. Maybe it's an emoji. <laughs> yeah, could be. That could that's I'm sure factors in a little bit as but well. It, I don't doubt that it does. If you put the three groups together, though, right? So you're the people who have been right. holding off for a phone that looks different because the eight was really very much like the seven S and the seven, right. and you put that with the people who were iffy about the notion of losing the home button and all that kind of stuff, and then you put that with the people who basically don't want to pay a thousand dollars for a phone but are expecting that same technology to come down to the replacement of the eight. There may, there may actually be quite a bit of pent-up demand where people last year basically went, I'm going to wait a year because the iPhone X tech is going to be cheaper next year. I'm going to wait a year because I want the big phone in the new shiny. I'm going to wait a year because I don't trust this new technology. That's three groups. Right. And I think yeah. just in general, you know, upgrade cycles are lengthening anyway. So I think there's just going to be every year more and more people who are, you know, they're in whatever cycle they're in. Um, I mean, it's even to the point where this year, like I have the 10 and I'm looking at the, you know, what's being rumored. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later a little bit, but uh, to, to be honest, you know, I don't I'm know, not even excited do to upgrade, um, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, if you need to get, if you want to get some rumors off your chest, you may as well do it now because they're not in the show notes. No, no, no rumors. <laughs> so just the point is, is that, you know, it, it, for someone who's on a 10, like myself already, a lot of what's being speculated is basically a processor bump and not much other changes to the technology. You know, like I'm not expecting oh, yeah. huge things on the camera front. I'm not expecting huge things anywhere else. So it, this is the first time when I've ever been like, Meh, you know, I might skip this iPhone cycle. Wow. Okay. I, I, I've, because, I've been there but, years well, and, and, and the second factor to that is the cost. I paid a dang lot of money for this phone that I have now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the idea of spending another $1,100 on an iPhone is just not very palatable to me, especially if it's, there's not huge advancements in the technology. I think I'm on my third or fourth iPhone in total. I, I've always been on at least a two-year cycle, and I went to a three-year cycle. So, yeah, I, I've been off the I-need-every-iPhone boat for a very long time. Yeah, and I'll also caveat that with I, I pay. So just so people know, because people email them and say, well, well, you know, upgrade program. I, I pay outright for all my phones, and I always have. So Yeah, and, and paying for, outright for a long time. is financially much smarter than the upgrade every year thing you guys can all look at that and go oh look it only cost me five dollars more no you didn't get to sell that phone and that phone is worth a bleeding fortune a year old yeah i did the maths i did the maths in ireland with the spreadsheet and everything and here Mm -hmm. it's actually cheaper because at the end of our contract we still get to sell the phone so i'm not talking about apple's plan because i didn't even look at that i don't think it's even available here uh, but I just looked at all of our carrier plans because my theory was I'm, I'm going to buy it right and I'm going to save money. And I put it into Excel and Excel told me to take it on contract. 
I'd like to see that, Bart, because I yeah, did the same thing uh, when they first came out with the uh, the, the plans um, with – and you're right. A big difference would be that they you have to trade the phone in here. Apple's plan, though, is actually a no-interest loan. So that right. one that one is a good deal. Uh, but if you have to give the phone back, then you're losing the value. I mean, they're, yeah. when the phones were 600 bucks, you could sell them for 400 a year later. No, so over here that, you that's never. Four hundred dollars you're thrown away. Over here you never give the phone back. It always they actually there's a legal obligation on the carrier to unlock the phone at the end of your contract. So you have the phone and it is now an unlocked iPhone which you can then sell. Yeah, yeah these uh, aren't contracts necessarily though. Right, but the, the only thing available to me different. here was was on contract. So basically, when I did the yeah. Excel, I found because I was expecting the Excel to show what it showed in America, which is by outright that's the smart move in the long run. You know, it's short run. It's more expensive, but long run you win. And I did the I let Excel do the maths, and I was very disappointed to find that no, in Ireland, our carrier subsidies are such that it actually is genuinely cheaper to to get it on contract with the carrier. Yeah. I have the added financial advantage with mine too, buying them outright that they get passed down through multiple owners. So, well, yeah. see, so do all. We buy one phone, one phone for four people every year, right? We might get handed down too, though, because we're all right. on the one carrier package, so it doesn't matter that the contract isn't up on the phone. You can still right. I'm just saying, oh, that's, oh, I mean, okay. that's another advantage to buying out, right? Yeah. Oh, well, we, you get to keep missing. yours. Yeah, we have to turn ours back in. So oh, that's, wow. that's the thing. If I buy a new iPhone, or if I'm on the plan and, and I want to get the new iPhone, I'm turning in the one I have, which means uh, my kids don't get the one that I currently have and get to upgrade, you know, the old 5S or whatever that they're currently using, so... I think we're missing a really important thing on the new iPhone, though. Are we going to call it tennis or are we going to call it excess? <laughs> I, I can't believe the, the rumors are so strong that, it, that it's going to be the letter, the, the letter X followed by the letter S. And the amount tennis. of jokes yeah. about people going on about how Apple, Apple is excess pricing and it, it, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, they, you always, I mean... I think Apple's smart enough to, and Apple marketing smart enough to know at this point, they're always going to, no matter what they do, they're going to get some joke or some, you know, this one's so easy going though. On like that. Yeah. It's so easy. But I mean, maybe they cares? just said, let's lean in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. lean in. They're going to make fun of us I think at this anyway. point, they're just like, whatever, you know, we can't, <laughs> we can't worry about it. Big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so oh yeah, we're still, we're still a notable number. So apparently, there's going to oh yeah, the other number in there. Sorry, is that 19% of Android users surveyed are planning to move to an iPhone, which is up from 12% of those same people last year. Which is interesting. to that. Why would that I have still changed? think it's the large phone thing? Oh, that last year they didn't want to switch because there wasn't a large phone with the latest technology. Yes, yeah. correct. Hmm. They like their fabrics. They could have gotten an eight, an eight plus, though. Right? They could have gotten right, a big but that phone. had last year's old technology. When it, technically, so then it you're didn't, talking about the you small minority of people. You look at it, like Bart was saying, it's the then. same. There are a lot. I'm telling you, Alice, and I think you're underestimating the large phone fans. Like that is just a huge market. I guess I just don't think of that many people having that much money. I just. I hear from them a lot. In my we might have a, a like self-selecting group. I get a though. lot of emails from these people. And I've heard from them. They're all excited this year that there's a large version of the 10. So Android people with large phones are yes. who's writing to you? Oh, yeah. 
I get emails from them. Yeah, I get people. I switched away from Apple because they didn't have what I wanted, and I moved to Android. And I'm using a you know a Galaxy Note ginormous phone, and I love it. So if the I don't root- think that you and I are or any of our podcasts really are appealing to the normal person, though. <laughs> I, I certainly don't aim at the normal person because there'd be no one listening if I did. <laughs> um, although you know, it, yeah, it's it is. Believe me, I only I only know this because it baffles me when I I'm like, okay, I, well, I, I don't understand. I don't like the large phones. There must be Mac users who listen to your show for the Mac stuff and are Android users in their phone device. I don't know. It's Anyway, it surprises it surprises me too, but it's it's reality. I can I can forward you some emails if you'd like to read them. Oh, I, I'll I have to you. ask them. I'll have to ask first, obviously, but if if they'll let me, I'll happily forward them to you. Um, Apple are continuing with their you know hiring and firing of people. Um, I like to track it on the show just to keep an eye on the big picture. Uh, because there was a time when everyone was saying that Apple has a brain drain and everyone's leaving, so I just started tracking it, and it turns out that that's not true. Um, and again, this month, it's all about people coming and not about people going. So we have a big uh, music industry PR guy called Brian Bumbery, which is a cool name. Um, he is now Apple's director of Apple Music Publicity. So that's right up his street. Uh, Doug Field, who was with Apple's car project and left Apple for Tesla, is now back to Apple from Tesla. And everyone assumes he's working for Bob Mansfield again. And then there's a separate report from Loop Insight basically saying that it's not just one or two people, it's lots of ex-Tesla employees are coming over to Apple at the moment. So Apple are continuing to staff up, and any any fear of an exodus appears not to be true. Okay, uh, let us move into our main story one, which is our medley of medium stories. Um, <laughs> Apple surprised everyone. By giving a software update to their um, Airport Express, which gives it AirPlay 2 support when you use your Airport Express as a remote speaker. Given that Apple have officially discontinued the product, I was very pleasantly surprised to hear they did this. Um, I don't own one, but it's still cool for those who do. I have a beef with them on this. Oh. <laughs> of course. Go on. Um, no, only with when the when the story came out, the official story from Apple, and when you go to the support page, it says, hey, there's a new firmware update for owners of an Airport Express 802.11n. An 802.11n Airport Express, I think, is how it's mm-hmm. technically written in the document. The problem is, is there's actually two generations of an 802.11n Airport Express base station. There's the little one that looks like kind of the wall wart that plugs in, and then there's the little one that looks like some sort of version of the Apple TV, but in white. The gen, the, the latter is the Gen 2. This update is only for the Gen 2, but they oh. don't make that clear in their documentation. So I don't own a Gen 2. I own a Gen 1, and I thought, oh, cool, I can upgrade. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't work. So it does need to be a 2012 or newer version of the Airport Express. But it's that great. Imp- I mean, it is great. But I just implies... wish Apple would be clearer about their their uh, which um, it supports. And I dug and dug and dug to find any reference, and they don't specifically reference the generation. So That implies and that I'm, you I'm have a router, which you've for had people, for... People who might have the older version. Sorry. But that implies you have a fully functioning working router that you still use every day, that has now served you well for more than six years. 
What? That's amazing. I, I don't have a beef with them not supporting it. No, I have no, a beef I'm, with them not I oh, No, not I'm just explaining. pointing it out. It's just you're saying, you know, anything anything older than 2012 won't work. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty good. No, uh, yeah, I don't have a that. That, that. I don't have a problem didn't say it clearly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was confusing when they released the thing. You know, I'm just I'm just asking that they write the documentation more clearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I wasn't disagreeing. I was. I just thought it was funny that, <laughs> you know, and I, when I think about yeah, it. I wasn't expecting it to be supported. I was... But when the news came out, I was like, oh, wow, they're actually going to support my 802.11n Airport Express because that's what it says. And then I was disappointed. Because I think I have... So my beef, that became my beef. I have an extreme, but I think it's of the same generation as your Express because it's not the tower, it's the flat one that looks like someone took a Mac Mini and stomped on it. Right. Hey, I know this isn't a how-to show, it's a news show, but I am still trying to figure out whether I care about AirPlay 2. Um so I have an uh, a HomePod, which supports AirPlay 2. Mm-hmm. I have a, an Apple TV, f- you know, of all generation, but I have a the 4K version, the latest one. Right. Does that support AirPlay 2? Yep. So if I have my Air, my Apple TV hooked up to a fancy pants home stereo, you know, uh, AV receiver and all that, does that mean I can play to my HomePod and my uh, AV receiver at the same time? Yeah. Yes, that's that's. The, I believe so. Yeah, that's one of the okay. features is multi-room. Yeah, um, if you're well, playing, I think that's the only feature. If I you're can playing find. through the Apple TV 4K. Well, but I mean, I've got to be air playing to the Apple TV 4K. Correct, and then out through your home stereo speakers that are connected to that Apple TV 4K. But through yes, the AV that should work. If you're yeah, playing. If you play something on your iPhone and then you go to the little button to to send the audio somewhere else, if it has a radio button instead of a checkbox, then it's AirPlay 2 capable. Huh. Because basically that means you can select multiple. Right. Okay. So basically they look but like circles instead of like tick marks. Right. So you just said... Um it's one of the features. That's the only feature I've heard anybody talk about. Is there Are there other features of it? Well, don't you need AirPlay 2 for most of the cool stuff with the new HomePod to work, like to having the stereo work and stereo stuff? Stereo pairing, that yeah. Rely on AirPlay 2 as well. Yeah, that's more HomePod-related yeah. AirPlay <gasps> stuff. But I have I have radio buttons on my, uh, not only my HomePod, but, but the 4K and the 4 Apple TV. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, I'm just going to start playing uh, a podcast, if you guys don't mind. I want to test it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, part of me thinks, oh, but very, only one of my devices supports multi-room, which is kind of useless, because how can you have a multi-room of one? Um, but then I was sort of thinking, why, you know, how, how how cranky would I make everyone else in the house if I just decided to play my music in every room so that I can walk around freely? So we could carry the other, the other the thing. same thing, Bart. I don't understand that. The other thing I believe that AirPlay 2 brings for you, Allison, is Siri support. So you can say play blah, blah, blah on the speakers in the name of the room. That will work. That's interesting. But yeah, Bart, I'm with you. I've always wondered about that of like, okay, I like heavy metal and the rest of my family likes classical, but I'm going to now play it in every room. Yeah. It's great if you live alone, but isn't it rude otherwise? (laughs) I know. Or else you have really big parties. It's more of a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you have really big parties where all of your guests don't fit in one room. There you go. Right. Yeah. It's it's a party feature. We only play podcasts anyway, so I don't know why I'm even talking about music. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much what comes through my speakers too, if I'm honest. <laughs> okay, um, next little mini story. Apple have joined something called the Thread Group. And this is an industry group working on mesh networking for IoT devices. And they're developing a new protocol called Thread, hence the name of the group. And so it's, I thought it was noteworthy that Apple have joined this industry group trying to make this new standard appear because that seems to imply that they're not giving up on the whole home automation thing. Uh, even though people have complained that HomeKit doesn't quite get as much TLC as we'd like. I don't know that HomeKit doesn't get TLC. I think the problem is that HomeKit has a lot of rules and restrictions and and, and things for very good reason, uh, mainly being security and privacy that uh, a lot of companies are ignoring. And so, once again, Apple gets the flack for it not being you know, everywhere, like things like Google Home and works with Alexa are. The problem is, is that those technologies, if you talk to anybody in the security industry, uh, they call it not IoT, but the iOS, and you can imagine what the S word stands for because that stuff is so, from a security standpoint, riddled with holes that it's a problem. Well, I think one of the other reasons, I, I agree with you 100%, Adam, but another reason is things like up until Mojave, you couldn't run home through your the HomeKit app through your rack. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's not a lot of TLC if they took them that long to do that. Yeah, that's my issue with it. They didn't buy in. I mean, it took until iOS 10 for it to really become a first-class citizen on the iPhone. But is that because the technology is not easy to implement or is that because they're not giving it attention? That's, Which, that's well, the only thing. Third parties were able to have HomeKit. Basically, other people had HomeKit apps on iOS before Apple had a HomeKit app on iOS. That, yeah. That's not because it's well, not possible. It's because they didn't bother. And it's 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 also one of the jankiest apps I've ever used. I mean, Steve and I are both engineers with master's degrees, and we'll sit there going, "Okay, wait a minute, is this one an automation? Do I click on which button? It do it? Go back? Wait, no, I can wait. Don't touch it. It's working." <laughs> so it's it's a little well, it's a little janky in my opinion. The irony the of it thing. too is, in the perfect world, you never have to see that app, right? Yeah. Right yeah, when it's the, working, the, when it's working the way it should, you should never have to open or look at that app. Yeah, yeah, but getting that to work in the first place takes every bit of our skills. Yeah. I did have a look. I did go to um, a local IKEA a few weeks ago, and I thought, ah, oh, right, I've got a bit of spare money. I'm going to invest in a bit of HomeKit stuff, and I was jiggered if I could work out what I actually needed um, <laughs> because they'd run out of the gateway kits, which I've just put a link into the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't. It, it just didn't seem to make any sense. It's like I can buy a bulb and I can buy a base station, but there was no real clear marketing to say, yes, this will work with HomeKit. Instead, they all do the thing of trying to get you to download their own app where I'm going, I don't want to. I just want to be able to buy something right. that says HomeKit, plug it in, and away I go. So the, where I've ended up with that, Mark, is um, if is using the, the company's app, like uh, LifeX, for example, has a really cool app. You can do all these fun color things and paint I've with your finger those, the colors yeah. on your thing. And, and so I'll use their app to set that up, but then I'll do the automation through HomeKit. So I've, I've got a thing at, at uh, 15 minutes before showtime. You, you know, my my uh, my phone gets turned off as connected by an iDevice switch. My LifeX lights come on. You know, a b- bunch of other stuff happens, and that's all done in HomeKit. But each individual device is still I'm working inside their own apps because they have more capability. 
I've got the LifeX um, app, and I was really excited, thinking, oh, they've just announced HomeKit support in the light bulb, and then I realized I was an original Kickstarter backer, so I, I missed out on the free HomeKit upgrade. Ah. Oh. That seems unfair if you're one of the original backers. Uh, hey, I had they... the same problem with uh, with Insteon. I had to buy a whole new hub. It was really annoying. Hmm. Good, good stuff though. I mean, the light bulb. Because yep. I've I've been sort of like new to this whole LED lighting coming out the light socket thing. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous, but because I thought you know LEDs, they don't really last that long. But I've been really surprised um, just how far the technology has come from the last time I had an LED bulb, going back about seven years ago, and it would light up uh, something the size of a coffee cup <laughs> if you were lucky. <laughs> Yeah, it has come on, I guess. Well, it's certainly in Europe, I think the, the crackdown on the incandescent bulbs has driven the technology forward for, for, for LED and stuff. Yep. Okay, um, what's our next mini story? Um, Consumer Reports, a company who seemed to have a very mixed relationship with Apple. Um, they rated the various uh, peer-to-peer mobile payment solutions available in the US, and according to their scoring system, the best way to send money between two Americans using a smartphone is Apple Pay. They get a score of 76 out of a possible 100, which I call 76%. Uh, And for context, second place is Venmo at 69%, and third place is Square's Cash App, which is a very good name, and that came in at 64%. So on the one hand, the Consumer Reports say that 81% and up is excellent, so Apple are not excellent, but they are still top of the pack. And I don't believe we're able to do peer-to-peer Apple Pay here in Ireland, but it appears to be quite good from what I can see looking at it from outside. Pretty darn awesome. Yeah, I've only used it a few times. That's the only thing is I don't have much occasion to use it, but... Um, when I have used it, it's brilliant. I mean, it's super easy and it just goes. So I will tell you, um, I, I used it a little bit early on, but then, um, we went to Paris with some friends of ours and I paid for the, the house we were staying in for, for the four of us for two weeks or for a week and a half. And then my buddy was going to pay me back and he said, how do you want me to pay you? And I just listed all the different ways I would take money, you know, Venmo, Venmo, PayPal and Apple Pay. And he goes, oh, cool, Apple Pay, I'll try it. And he put in a credit card and it charged him 3%. And it was over $2,000. So, I mean, you know. Just like it would have if he had paid with his credit card on a terminal. No, well, I paid for it with my credit card, got the frequent flyer miles and did not get charged 3%. So, well, no, he cha- paid 3% more than I did. Right. So, yeah, it just buyer beware that uh, I'm thinking that uh, that uh, debit cards looking pretty good in there. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's the credit card company who did that or if. It, yeah, it's hard to know. It's, sometimes a standard, it's a standard credit card company stuff. And, Is it? and I think it's even built into the the text. I mean, of course, you have to read the legal text. with. I'm Apple sure Pay, it's in there. Yeah. Apple does but... explain that you, if you pay with a credit card, you will get 3%. So they want to take it. it. You don't get charged if you debit because it's basically at that point a bank to bank transfer. And so. And well, the, the banking industry as a whole prefers people to use debit because that's your right. money you're spending, not theirs. <laughs> but then you don't get well, points or credits. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's really good reasons to use credit cards because it's in your interest a lot of the time. But the, the, the industry as a whole wishes they hadn't given so many guarantees to entice us all to use credit cards. 
Interesting. But Apple is not getting any part of that 3%. Um, but uh, they still have to charge it. Any part? Adam? Not the credit card fee. All Apple Pay stuff is is the they get money from the banks. That's different. They do get a fee. They might not uh, get that fee, that they 20%. Don't, they're not. Yeah, they get. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying they're not. That 3%, 3% is going directly to the credit card company. It's credit yeah. card. Or actually, more technically, it's probably the payment processor. Oh, there's a lot of people involved here, isn't there? It just looks like I'm sending money to you, but no. Oh, yeah, I've worked in e-commerce for a long time, so I know a lot about how payments work, and everybody gets their cut, their little cut along the way. But I'm just saying, from a pure, is Apple getting any of that 3%? That 3%, no, they're getting their money <laughs> off of the transaction that's going between the banks. And I forget what the percentage is they get. It's like 10 or 15, 15 cents or something like that. I thought you were going to say percent for a moment. No, no, cents. Oh. Um, but even that's a problem because in other regions and countries like Australia, you know, it's one of the reasons why it took so long for Apple Pay to roll out there because their banks are used to paying like five cents or something like that. So Apple was basically asking them to triple their, their ah. normal fees that they would pay for those types of transactions. Interesting. Okay, um, the next medium story is Business Insider reported that uh, about a year ago, Apple got a whole bunch of developers together in a room in New York and basically went, so uh, I think we'd like to do a subscription in the App Store. What do you guys think? And they apparently were pushing companies towards that model as a solution to the whole race to the bottom. I, I don't know how... I wasn't really sure how I felt about the story, but it got a lot of other people talking, so I'm wondering if anyone has strong views... I can't be involved with any story about Business Insider since they ran an article about a grilled cheese wagon. And the main byline of it was, it goes through a lot of cheese. I kid you not, this was on the front page of Business Insider, who this story has just come from. Okay, well, the fact, (laughs) breaking news, cheese shop sells cheese. This doesn't seem to be quite that level of a story. Um... Well, nothing will beat a cheese wagon that goes for a lot of cheese, of course. Well, unless they were driving I mean, through what's, it. What's the what's the allegation or implication here? I guess that we're 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 talking about that it's bad if Apple is pushing people toward, towards their subscriptions. Well, that's what I didn't get. What's because their to, motivation? Is what I would be asking. Why uh, would they do that? They get more recurring revenue. That's uh, actually Apple not would. true because they dropped their percentage on, on the second year to 15% from 30%, so they'd get less. Yeah, but they're now guaranteed to get 15% because that, that subscription is going to go through every year versus well, person decides to my, buy the new version. My well, reading... Yeah, not guaranteed. Sorry, guaranteed was too strongly worded. <laughs> Highly likely. <laughs> my, my More read... likely that they're going to get recurring monies coming in from their from their cut, right? I mean... What I heard was the the reason they gave at the meeting was that they were aware that developers were getting squeezed by the race to the bottom and they wanted to find a way for developers to continue to be able to make a living developing software. And I would agree with that too. You know, Apple yeah. Apple likes to... <laughs> I love Apple. Like, there's nothing about it. But Apple likes to always put their positive marketing spin on everything. And they, you know, when they what they say publicly is always the 
is always the thing that sounds good, right? It's like, of course. And I, and yes, I, I do believe that Apple cares deeply about developers. They want developers to succeed. They want to provide things for to enable developers to to earn a living and make money. And they and I do believe they believe these things. But let's not discount the fact too that Apple also benefits if developers are making more money from recurring revenue and subscriptions. So Apple has a second vested interest in making sure that developers sell more subscriptions. Well, and keep the platform. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not not against it. You can't sell iPhones if there's no apps for them. So if Apple are worried that developers are being driven out of business, then it's very strongly in Apple's interest to see that that doesn't happen. I think think it's I've got another idea here. Maybe what Apple was really trying to do uh, is keep them in the App Store. As opposed to still doing that, their app, still making money, too, but leaving yeah. the app store. Yeah, that's like, another great motivation. Well, yeah. Which we yeah. saw, I mean, that message came across very strongly in this year's WWDC with the likes of Panic Software being being cajoled back Coupled in or back. coaxed or, I mean, almost right. yeah, yeah. bribed back in. I mean, they, 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 they bent over backwards to get some of these big name companies back into the Mac app store. So they definitely seem keen to keep their stores vibrant. Yeah, but isn't it ironic they won't give developers what they really want? <laughs> but Apple know best, Adam, don't you know? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. So, I know. <laughs> you know, like, this is great. I mean, that's just fine if Apple sees this as the future. But again, it, it, so you, you're actually proving the point is, you know, of sort of what I'm saying is there are multiple, multiple tiers of interest for Apple in moving this direction. And Apple very firmly, I think, believes in the ecosystem that they set up and in not changing it. Because from the very beginning of the app ecosystem, the number one thing that I've heard from almost every developer is we want paid upgrades and we want free trials, free trial periods. And Apple has adamantly refused to give those to developers. I just had an app that managed to do what is effectively a paid upgrade in a really interesting way. Yeah, but it's um, all hacky workaround. Yeah, stuff they have to do like... a janky way of doing it. Okay, well, so I love I use an app called Dew, which is the only reminders app that actually gets me to do things, which is an right. amazing feat because I've used many reminders apps over the years and they've generally reminded me to turn off the app. Uh, but Dew actually gets me to do stuff. And they upgraded to a whole bunch, to a new version, but they didn't actually upgrade the version they basically added in the new features as an in-app purchase so basically you upgrade by buying the new features right yeah a lot of apps do that so i'll tell you the reason i dislike that and i'm surprised nobody ever talks about this is in-app purchases are not shareable within your family right so when you do that bart your your better half doesn't get it you have to pay it again yeah no it is it's a small nobody ever talks about that I do. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I, I do for Sparks two does. reasons, actually. Yeah, no, I do for two reasons. So there's, I've been starting to buy features and then finding that I tell, you know, I tell the better half, hey, this cool feature. And I get this look of, that's great, but I, you know, I have to buy that again, don't you? It's like, oh. But also yeah. weather apps. Like if you want the, if you want the good stuff, if you want the weather forecast going out 10 days, if you want the minute by minute rain predictions, pretty much all the good weather apps charge for the good data. And so I will pay, you know, Meteo Group and I will pay AccuWeather and I, I, I think I'm paying like for weather data from like four different people and they never agree, which is annoying. <laughs> And there's never one of them that's always right, which is also annoying. But anyway, I... I, I it's not a real science part. <laughs> that, is, that is not an unreasonable argument. But I buy four weather subscriptions a year, and my darling beloved has to buy whatever many he wants because they don't go across our family sharing plan. He gets the, you know, go to family purchases. Oh, look, a free app that I now have to buy an in-app purchase for. 
Wait, so you're saying in-app subscriptions also don't share? Yeah, the app. So if I bought the app, the app would share. But when I buy my membership for the weather data, that doesn't share. It might depend on how it's done uh, because, you know, a family share one password uh, does, right? So it probably depends on where you get the subscription from. Yeah, but is the is the is the one password stuff done through the app store or is that done separately yeah, I don't through? Think it is, is it? No, well, my so one he password goes in isn't. and does his whole restore. Like, if you load that weather app and do restore purchases, it doesn't restore the purchase because it's technically under your account and not his his yeah. account. That has been our experience with the ones we tried it with. Maybe it's yeah, maybe maybe it's up to no, the that developer. Makes sen- I mean, that makes sense. That that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, so, I mean, all this hackery does have some interesting side effects. Yeah. What I love about the, the subscription argument that, that we're, uh, we're actually starting with and whether Apple's nefarious in pushing this is I think every one of us could, we could play a little game where, say, Bart and I get on either side of a table. Bart, you have to be in favor. I'll be against. Now, me and Adam, okay, I'll be against and, Bart, and oh, Adam, yeah. you be for. We can all argue every side of this, right? I could have an engaging argument with myself for two hours, <laughs> and I still don't know which of me would win. You know what the <laughs> one difference might be with one password, Allison? And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember that being an in-app subscription purchase. Yeah, I, I don't think, think you it buy is. it through OnePassword.com, and then you log into your account via the free, technically free app, and then it right. sort of enables the features. So yeah. it works more like the Netflix model would, right? Or the, or the Amazon yeah. model, yeah. Okay, um, I'm actually going to move us on because although I joked there was no real stories, we probably should get into the, the two I did pick out at them. some stage. Um, just also to mention that Apple are continuing to expand the support they gave to their older Mac. So uh, Apple have this thing where as your Mac ages, it goes through phases and one of them is officially vintage, which I think is after five years. So it's not like cars. Um but they are experimenting with continuing to provide support for machines that are technically speaking obsolete slash vintage. And so they're expanding that to a bunch more Macs that although they're more than five years old, they will still give you spare parts for and stuff, which is, I think it's a sign of the Mac becoming more mature because they're, they're, like we're talking, we talked earlier about people's cycle for iPhone slowing down. Well, people's cycles for Macs have slowed right down and indeed for PCs in general. So I'm happy to see this. I just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, it also wouldn't possibly be because states here in the U.S. are starting to um, mandate <laughs> mandate right to repair laws. Yeah, I'm sure that, that is are, that well, is pushing. Trying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not, not to again be negative, but I think there's I think there's often lots of sides to these stories. It's great either way. I don't care how it happens. I think it's great that they they are making parts available. Especially considering that yeah, you know, many, many people use their Macs for much, much longer. Uh, you know, I have people yeah. in my audience that are writing in to say, you know, I have a Mac and it's eight years old and I still, you know, I still love it and I still use it like an 09 or an 08 or something like that. My my iMac in work is a late 2009, 27-inch iMac. And you know something? Yeah. It's a lovely it's, machine and I love working unusual. at it. Yeah. It's, it's not unusual what, at all. What did you say, I, Bart, though? You said it's 2009 then I missed what you said about it. It's a late 2009 27-inch iMac, and I love it. It It is a, you know, I I mean, I write code. It's a great big screen. I have my documentation. I have my code. I have my terminal. It's all there. It works. Yeah, it's not I the fastest. the screen machine. is what we really care about. The screen and the keyboard, and that's it. For me, personally, it's screen real estate. I, I need to be able to treat my desktop like a desk. I have big desks. 
and they're messy, and my computer has to be the same. <laughs> I I think I think the problem is too many people often forget that a computer is a tool because we have mm. emotional attachments to them and and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's a tool, and just like any tool, if it does what you need it to do and it gets the job done, then it's good. You know, it's yeah. like it's a simple equation. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's not about having the shiniest. It's about having the machine that works best for you. Okay, now, the next story, it was definitely the biggest news of the month, so I don't think we can pretend that didn't happen. And I can sum up my feelings on it extremely quickly. So this may be a very short discussion. It may be a discussion some people choose to opt out of. But anyway, Apple sort of led the way in the tech industry and then other tech companies followed in partially removing content from... I think we can fairly call him an incendiary conspiracy theorist, a chap called Alex Jones, who's behind a website called InfoWars, who does things like uh, persecute and harass the parents of Sandy Hook victims because his theory is that Sandy Hook is fake and they're all actors. Um, and Apple basically went, your podcasts are, we're not, ad, ad, we're not basically pushing your podcast, but you can keep your app in the store because your app hasn't broken our rules yet, but your podcasts have. And then other tech companies followed suit. Uh, personally, my opinion is freedom of speech doesn't enter into this. Apple are a private company. They're free to set the rules. They're free to set the terms of service. Alec Jones breaches the terms of service. Apple are free to remove him. Anyone who calls First Amendment rights or whatever amendment number it is hasn't read the Constitution. Congress shall pass no law. Apple are not Congress, Facebook are not Congress. So my opinion is, dead right, keep it up, let's clean out the cesspool. And now I'll hand over to anyone else who, who wants to have a say. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't a, no I don't have a contrary opinion. I'll work away. I mean, I, the, the whole point, I prefer when people disagree with me. That's generally the point of a discussion. Um, and, anyone want, and I also understand if people don't want to chime in on something quite so controversial. It's not. It's not that. I mean, I just. You're right. It's. It's. It's not a free speech thing. There's. There's other things we could get into, but I don't even think they're worth getting into. Yeah. So, despite the fact that this took up all of the air in the media, it's actually another story that seems to actually animate Mac fans. It's just not interesting. I mean, that's what I thought would happen. Just yeah. Uh, Anyone else? uh, Before we move on, (laughs) I want to give everyone an opportunity to, to 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 have a say. I'd never even heard of this chap till everyone started banning him. <laughs> There's an argument against banning Good people. for you. Yeah, but it, it's it. But it, then there is the other side of this that by all this news story, news interest, you're going to get people directly going to him. And if you wanted to sort of go down a, a bit of a weird rabbit hole, he's probably getting subscriptions, less any Apple tags or whatever, whatever just by people going directly to him. So I think, yes, he probably has taken a bit of a hit on this, but not cases will always find a way, because everybody loves Psycho, apparently. Hmm. Can't argue with that logic. Alison, are you silent by intent? Yeah, just... <laughs> no, no, you're... Prefer- <laughs> one of like, things not- I'd like that to weigh in on. But oh, yeah, no, that's, that's, one- that's fine. The, the one thing that we aren't uh, talking about, and I heard this on some other shows, so I don't have a, a link to it, is that his... Uh, I don't know if everyone else can still hear, but I've just lost. In the app, you got to go listen to this guy. Okay. Well, so, yeah. Sorry, Alison, I just completely lost all of you there for about 30 seconds. Can you just oh. say that again? Be sorry. brilliant again? Yeah, sorry. Lightning in a bottle, take two. 
<laughs> I was just going to say, um, I think to address what Mark said about how he hadn't even heard of the, the guy until he got banned by everybody. Uh, I heard on some other podcasts, and I don't have a link to it, uh, that his either his podcast or his app was now in the top downloads. Yeah, the app probably went up because if you wanted to get his content and you were listening to his podcast, you could no longer get it as a podcast, but you could get it via his app. So, but I think not necessarily. I think it's, I hope, <laughs> I hope fervently that it's more what Mark was saying was, hey, I didn't know who this guy was. Well, I better go over, listen, and see if I'm angry about it. <laughs> well, it shouldn't take long uh, <laughs> to make up your mind. Um, there was an interesting related podcast. Uh, Kara Swisher does a great podcast called Rico Decode. And right. she interviewed the guy behind a Twitter handle called Sleeping Giants. And what they do is they look at sites... In this case, it wasn't InfoWars, but it was uh, Breitbart. But the, the, those sort of sites where they basically, they look at the ads against the articles and they then contact the company and say, do you know that the ad platform you have a contract with has put your ad next to this article saying that, you know, women don't do well in tech because they're too dumb? And I'm not even making this up. And then this causes the companies to remove their advertisement from those advertisement networks and hence to remove the revenue from the websites that are putting up this very disagreeable stuff. And it, maybe that's an approach that people should take against this kind of content. Hmm. It's a very interesting um, interview on Rico Decode. So if you don't listen to Rico Decode, I can highly recommend it because Kara Swisher, she certainly has strong opinions, but she's extremely eloquent and she has very, very interesting people on. I like her. I like her a lot. I've met her a couple of t- uh, quite a few times, and yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that she doesn't kowtow to anyone. Like, you know, she'll tell Mark Zuckerberg exactly what she thinks, whether he's on the show as a guest or whether she's just talking about him. She'll say the same thing, and it's you know, genuine. I, that's actually the context that I had the longest conversation with her about was I was there when uh, Mark Zuckerberg melted down on stage Jesus, yeah. at uh, the All Things D conference. And uh, she eventually started going, oh, oh, sweetie, honey, you want to take off your sweatshirt there? Come on, come on, sweetie. Let's. And she was like very motherly with him. And I asked her about that. And I said, why didn't you just eat him alive? I mean, you had him right where you wanted. And she said, because that would have just made me look mean. She's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, uh, but I still wouldn't have been able to resist it. It was Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> but she interviewed him recently. Is, and I'm not. That's it, controlling your own PR to a nice extent. Yeah. yeah, she actually made it on to the Bill Maher show for the first time just last week. So she's she's getting quite the profile. Um, so anyway, there's a recommendation. Kara Swisher, really good content. Okay, so the last um, story I have here in our three main stories, which again is not really that big of a story, but it is notable. Another Apple, an- another Apple product that's been languishing is now being executed. Back to my Mac, go bye bye in Mac OS X Mojave. Um. Apple are recommending a whole bunch of other features they have, but the notable difference is everything else Apple are recommending only works across the LAN. None of the rest of it works across the internet like Back to My Mac did in theory. Um, did anyone actually get Back to My Mac to work? Cause I never got it to work. No, I never okay. got it to work either. You Google how to use Back to My Mac, it is always across a LAN. There was never any way to sort of um, be able to ex- uh, access it externally. In theory, yep. if you had an airport extreme... Great or an airport of any kind, it should just magically work. But in practice, it just magically made me cranky. Never worked for me. 
and I have uh, an AirPods. But I see it's a Mac to Mac only thing. You can't go uh, Windows to Mac. Correct. Correct, because it would show up in the Finder in the sidebar. In theory, so you could be. The theory is you'd be anywhere on the planet, and then your whole Mac could just be sitting there in the sidebar in your Finder. In practice, then I would always. Yeah, no, I would always end up down the SSH tunnel plus uh, VNC route. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. Or just to be honest, my answer to this is much simpler. Just put your stuff in the cloud. Don't try to go back right. to your Mac. Don't have anything yeah, on your Mac. Have your Mac be a yeah. dumb terminal. That's where I've ended up as well. So there are links in the show notes to articles from iMore and Daring Fireball recommending some alternatives to back to my Mac for anyone who is a can user. Can I add another one? You can, absolutely. Please do. <laughs> I put a link in the uh, Discord chat to you of an article I wrote about Jump Desktop. Uh, which is like screens. And uh, I'm just kind of ornery. When everybody likes one thing, I go find, try to find something else. So nothing against screens, but uh, I found uh, Jump Desktop to be fantastic. And it works on the Mac, on the PC, and Android, and iOS. Oh, that's nice. Actually, yeah, that's the, the, the interesting thing is all of the alternative, or most of the alternatives people are recommending um, are cross-platform. So they're actually better than Back to My Mac, which is an interesting... Yeah. I mean, it's slick. It's just beautiful. It worked easily. I just... I love it. It's fantastic. Oh, cool. How does it compare to TeamViewer? So it's using uh, RDP and, and VNC and such. Uh, TeamViewer I always found to be pretty slow. Yeah. Someone. And this is more to get to your stuff, I think, than going to someone else's computer. And TeamViewer is a little more oriented towards that, right? Ah, right. Okay. Because I, I mean, I have issues with TeamViewer ever since the day. Uh, I, I booted up and somehow I had 700 contacts there or thereabout. Uh, I reported this to TeamViewer and they said, well, you must have been chatting to a load of people and giving your TeamViewer idea, uh, idea to a lot of people. And then the, the final straw came where, you know, I've got a password. It was all set up to be nice and secure and just out of the blue. So I was able to, uh, to remotely control my laptop at the time. Yeah, there have been some security issues with TeamViewer over the years, and I can't remember who bought them, but somebody bought them, and they immediately went in my, yeah, no, I'm not using them again list. I can't remember who it was. Um, By the way, this also works on, Jump Desktop is for, uh, I use it on my iPad to get to my Mac, but also works in the Mac App Store and on Google Play and on Windows. Nice. I was also going to point out both those apps, Screens and Jump Desktop, are part of SetApp, so... Ah, sweet. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, well, that's a good point. If you have set up, set up already, you own useful. both of them. <laughs> so you can get back to your Mac twice. Excellent. Thank you, Alison. That's, that's a nice nice little tip there. Uh, we're just going to wrap up the show here, but before we do, just uh, some very quick stories. Um, Apple have improved their Give Back Recycling Program. Um, it used to be the case that you wouldn't get anything from Apple until you sent them the device, and then they evaluated it, and then they sent you back some credit. Well, now when you're buying new things, you can effectively do a trade-in and get instant credit against the new thing you're about to buy. Uh, I don't know. It's not clear from the articles whether that's worldwide or just in the US, but either way, if, if you are buying new Apple stuff... Be aware that you can effectively trade in from Apple and therefore get your stuff recycled um, and get some money off your new product. You know what I don't understand about that? I never want to give up my old stuff until I've got the new stuff working at home for a little while. Yeah. yeah. So I've never been able to use this. And personally, I always end up handing stuff down. So I don't end up using it because someone else wants my whatever it is I'm replacing. Right. But I'm sure there are people who don't. You know, he just end up with a closet full of old clutter. And for them, It'll it be would me. be nice. Oh, there you go. Um, 
Apple have also launched a replacement program for logic boards on some iPhone 8s. Details in show notes. Basically, you pop your serial number in. If you have an affected device, then Apple will replace it for you or will fix it for you for free. Uh, apparently, it affects a quote-unquote small number of iPhone 8s. Um, Do you know what was wrong with them? It was some sort of bug in the logic board that was causing them to like randomly reset and things like that. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, just to say that there is an Apple-related, well, no, a Steve Jobs-related book coming out by Lisa Brennan Jobs. Um, it's called Small Fry, and the book itself is being published today, as we record this, September 4th. Uh, but there are some excerpts in a few newspapers to whet people's appetites. If that's your thing, there is now a book for you to read. Um, I'd be lying if I said I was interested, but... There may oh, be. I'm very, I'm very interested in it. Although I went on iBooks to look at the price, and now I'm not so interested. Oh, do share. Twenty six bucks. What? Holy cow! Holy, that's an ebook. So it's not digital. a giant big coffee table book of shiny glossiness. It's an e-book. well, you can get the hardcover off of Amazon for seventeen dollars, and for what? some reason, Kindle edition is only fifteen. So maybe I'll get it on Kindle. That's insane. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe Although, that's lots of pretty pictures. Or maybe it's the a audio book is also. 15 the audiobook is actually the cheapest version i can find uh-huh. the audible audiobook is 15 bucks or maybe apple just don't like With what it says version. so they put the price up so that people who do what adam did and sort off i don't know i read an excerpt from it i forget in which magazine and it, it was it was great um talking hey, vanity about fair steve jobs yeah the vanity fair one i thought it was wonderful okay. i actually gave it to my daughter who's an aspiring writer just to read because i thought the writing was so well done Okay, well that's that's a high praise. I maybe maybe I was too too quick to rush to judgment. Yeah, f- go find the Vanity Fair uh, like excerpt and, yeah. and read that because I think even just as an Apple fan, that's worth reading because she directly addresses a lot of the criticisms about um, Steve and her and their relationship and and things like that. And it's supposedly that's a lot about what the book is about is sort of. Um, you know, she does not pull punches on all of the horrible things that he did. But at the same time, it's sort of this note to say that, you know, I've sort of let these things go and we've come to an understanding, blah, blah, blah. And this is why and this is why I think other people should as well. So, Well, I mean, uh, my understanding is that they did manage to make peace before Steve passed. So that's sort of an yeah, and it's, again read that piece because i don't think it's as cut and dry even for her okay but that that's only my understanding after reading that piece and i think that I, and i'm hoping the book goes into more of that more of that so i'd like to get more of that side of the story and i think it's that's why i'm interested in in picking this up and and either reading it or hearing it we'll see cool okay um folks thank you very much for giving so freely of your time um Again, just a reminder, Apple event, September 12th, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and I'll be in Alison's chat room, which is at podfeet.com forward slash live. Isn't that Alison? Uh, yeah, you can see it there or uh, slash chat will help you get right into the Discord. Okay, so podfeet.com forward slash chat. That's where we'll be hanging out. Hey. Okay, so... Um, let me see. There will be links in... No, let's say that the other way around. There will be show notes, which contain links to the various news stories that have informed my thinking and informed the uh, topics we've discussed in the show today over at let's-talk.ie. 
There will be a section in the sidebar which says support the show that contains ways in which you can surprise, surprise, support the show. Um, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who has signed up to Patreon to support the show. That is the single most effective way to help support the show because basically money comes in from Patreon once a month, bills come in once a month, I take the Patreon money, I pour it into the bills and we're getting close to the point where the Patreon money fills the hole made by the bills. And that's that's kind of all I want from, from podcasting. I don't do this for money, I do this for fun, but I would like it not to be a cost. Um, you know, the Patreons really make it possible for me to keep doing this show so thank you guys there's also a straightforward paypal button and generally speaking the, the, the paypal money because it doesn't come in regularly the paypal money is used to do things like upgrade software upgrade hardware those kind of things that don't happen all the time um the patreon is great for the recurring costs and the paypal is great for the, the little investments in making things a little bit better and um, i appreciate everything um, just simply telling your friends about the show is a way of supporting the show that I also greatly appreciate reviewing the show on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use and then if you are a nerd and I, you know, you need to be a nerd for this to work but there are um, affiliate links to two nerdy services which help me pay the bills as well so one of them is the um, virtual hosting company called DigitalOcean they have VMs you basically buy for really quite cheap and they call them droplets because they have a whole water theme going on as DigitalOcean and if you sign up using the DigitalOcean affiliate link once you have spent at least $50 with DigitalOcean then both of us get a credit you get a credit and I get a credit and um, a bunch of you must have done so because um, my next two months hosting are paid for out of uh, DigitalOcean credits so thank you very much whoever it was use that affiliate code it really really does work and then there's also an affiliate code for Hover.com. That one gives me money, but not you money. So it's not nearly as nice as the DigitalOcean one. I can recommend the uh, the DigitalOcean thing that uh, Bart's talking about. We did that for my chat server that I was running for a while. And I it, unbelievably easy to set up and get it going. And it was just fantastic. Yeah, I love those guys. They have... Th- th- there's just something about them. They're nice. They give off the right vibes. As you would say, Alison, there are people. <laughs> Okay, um, panel, thank you again. So in reverse order, Alison, would you please give the good listeners some links to where they can find more of your work online? Sure, the best place to go is podfeet.com. That's where you can find, uh, let's see, Chit Chat Across the Pond featuring Bart every other week. We're doing a show called Programming by Stealth, where he is teaching us to program in an audio podcast, which sounds goofy, but is actually really, really fun and interesting. And uh, lots of other great uh, podcasts there, of course. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at podfeet. Thank you, Alison. Um, Mark, do you want to plug your show and maybe remind people that we share a podcast network? Yeah, we are both part of the MyMac.com podcasting network and the Essential Apple show, although I'm not on it that much these days. Uh, you can catch Simon doing all of his good work over at Essential Apple and, of course, sorry, EssentialApple.com. And, of course, it's available on iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, Google, and anywhere else where they will let us have our nonsense on there. Excellent. Thank you very much. And Adam, do you want to give people links to, you know, for those two people on planet Earth who have a Mac and don't know about the MacCast? <laughs> yeah, it's super easy. MacCast.com or just search for MacCast in your favorite podcast app and you'll have everything you need. If you want me on social media, it's pretty much MacCast on whatever your preferred network is. Excellent. Thanks again, folks. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing.
You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. This is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast, the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security, and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac podcasting network or over at essentialapple.com or now available on Spotify and SoundCloud.